Are we okay forcing people to do things they don't want to do? It's the founding ideas that make our country great. Caesar was garbage, and so are today's bureaucrats. You're listening to Self-Evident and Forgotten. Here are your hosts, Stanton, Christie, and Cody. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Self-Evident and Forgotten. This is your In the News for February 2022. I am Stanton Skurjanik, and with me is the anarchist attorney himself, Cody Wisniewski. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing well. I like how my title changes from work, episode to episode. We're going to keep doing that alliteration aspect. I had <laughs> Gunslinger Goliath GG, Anarchist Attorney AA. We'll see where we can go. <laughs> I like it. Let's go down the alphabet. So for everyone, once again, Christy is not present with us. Uh, we are recording this episode the same week we recorded uh, the last one, the deep dive. And uh, Christy wasn't available for that same day. So by circumstance, you're missing our favorite uh, chairwoman in Politico once again, as we are, as we are, we we are missing her as well. So, Christy, wherever you're doing, go win them, go go big, go all the way. Uh, Cody, random question because always I have, I have no lead up. Are you a cat person or a dog person? And if and depending on which one, what's your favorite breed? I am definitely a dog person. Good lad. I. Uh... When I was very little, my family had a cat, uh, Boots, because he had boots. all white feet, Boots. And Boots liked to sit under the back stairs out of our house and just swipe at my ankles. <laughs> so I feel like Boots ruined it for the entire species. So cats can blame it on Boots. Definitely a dog person. Ah, breed. Um, I, so currently, I have a Kelpie Mountain Dog Mix, Gunner. Oh, whose Gunner, name yeah. <laughs> Gunner's a rescue and Gunner's name was Gunner before the gun rights attorney uh, had any level of ownership <laughs> over him. So that did not influence his name, but it was a, a wonderful happenstance. So I, I love Gunner. He's fantastic, super sassy, but such a great dog prior to Gunner. It would have been probably a lab. I'm lab. definitely like a, yeah. You're a chocolate lab man. Or are you more traditional black lab? Yeah, all right. All right. Good. All That's right. The key okay. for me. No lab. I mean, you're a gunman. You go hunting. Labs are the perfect companion, <laughs> right? Yeah, labs right. are just the just a great all around dog. So my mother was uh, is she is she is allergic to cats. Um, she's been allergic to cats forever. So we never had cats growing up. My uh, aunt she had a cat rescue. Uh, and if this is any indication of what kind of cat this was, his name was Saxon. Like a Saxon oh, warrior. Good. Yeah, he, that's bound he, to be a great cat. He loved my aunt. He he and I did not get along. So I'm very much a dog person myself. And I know my, my first dog was, his name was Gunner. He was a beagle. He he would get out of everything. He he was an escape artist. He once crawled under the crawl space of our house to escape. With Every restaurant knew him, right? Taco Bell, Baja Taco, McDonald's, they all knew him. Oh, that's amazing. He was an amazing dog. I love that animal. Um, oh, that's wonderful. My favorite breed. Oof. I mean, I'm a sucker for, for bulldogs of various kinds. I love English bulldogs. I have one currently. I had one when I was uh, growing up. 
um, of the American Johnson bull, like most pit like animals are the square headed dogs. I like those dogs. They're, those are good animals. Um, I'm very much a dog person. I don't, I don't get, I mean, I get cats. I'm, I'm, I, my wife jokes that I am a cat. I like to sleep near a window, uh, in the sun <laughs> and do nothing. That's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of person I just am. So it makes sense that I don't like them in return. I had somebody make the argument to me that I was wrong because cats are libertarians and dogs are socialists. And um, my res- that's not a bad way to look at it. Well, but my response was like, I don't want, I don't want to like another libertarian living in my household is like, <laughs> we're insufferable enough as it is. Like John, my, my girlfriend's a libertarian. The two of us get along fine. We don't need a third libertarian. That's too how, many. Here's how you can use history, my friend, to justify your position. John Paul Jones, the great naval commander of the Revolutionary War for the Americans, He once wrote in a letter in 1775, I think he wrote it to the Continental Congress, and he once said, uh, no, I don't know who he's writing to, but anyway, his his letter was, we fight for the great ideals of freedom and justice in this country of of our great revolution, but on the ship, the commander must rule with absolute despotism. Your house is your kingdom. You've ruled that with an iron fist. And besides, like dogs are good, dogs are good subjects. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it works out well. And my 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 students, uh, you know, we teach liberty and all that. I say, why don't we practice liberty? I said, because this is my property. My classroom belongs to me. You follow my rules. There's no freedom here. <laughs> this is where I am. I am I am your Lord God sovereign. I'm the bank, the mob, the government. I'm everything that you hold dear in life. So long as you're in these four walls of my classroom. Next thing you're going to be seizing their property and freezing their class accounts my uh title is czar scourge oh the beard really helps with that you have the beard for it that works <laughs> all right cody let's uh get into our abcs of the month first up our aspiring autocrats if you guys can't tell i love alliterations it's one of my favorite things in the world um those terrible politicians you just love to hate um it just so happened that right after like a day or two after we published our in the news for January uh, associate justice of the Supreme court, Stephen Breyer decided to announce his retirement. How dare he do so before, <laughs> uh, after we got our podcast, how dare he do that? Um, well, allegedly it wasn't by choice, right? So apparently it was a leak that uh, escaped after escaped. Breyer had, had mentioned that he was, looking at retirement uh and then the announcement came shortly thereafter probably just to save face but who knows who knows, who knows? well cody's going to explain who justice Breyer is and the ideas that uh, and the possible people who might replace him but let's just kind of recap how this whole process works we went about this in an earlier episode which we all encourage you to go do so when ruth bader ginsburg died um the supreme court has nine justices. All of them are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Now, uh, when we are talking about this confirmation idea, the president, well before anyone dies or anyone retires, already kind of has a short list of who he would want to be in office. And this short list is... when that's a new thing. That's a new thing as of like for the past 50 years so it's yeah not that it's, it's a mod well but we're 250 years old it's a modern 
That's like development. a development. That's like 20%. That's not nothing. That's a very sizable portion. Now, if we were talking about That's England's fair. history, okay, I get your point. <laughs> if we're talking about like a legacy of a thousand years, yeah, that, that, that means something. <laughs> That's fair. I'll give you that. In the more or less modern presidency, presidents already have a short list of judges who they want to nominate to the court. And that short list is developed by a combination of things. It's developed by what the president would actually like to see in a justice, because usually presidents have some idea. Uh, it's developed from uh, political allies and alliances and coalitions, such as uh, certain advocacy groups. Uh, and it comes from their advisors, those people who actually might have a clue about how the courts operate and who would be a good jurist, right? Who would do well on the court? Because you don't want just someone who agrees with you on the court. You also want someone who's you know, intelligent enough and also has the grit to go through the confirmation process. Because once the president kind of narrows in on three people and he starts to interview these people in the Oval Office, then he announces that person. That person has to spend oh God, the better part of a month, basically lobbying the hundred senators who are going to be grilling that person and then have to sit in front of a, 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 a the, the, the committee of the judiciary in the Senate for three days straight. So it's it, the, your life is broken wide open. Also a new thing, right? That this is, that is this rel- starts in the 90s. Yeah, so that that is very new. In fact, that probably starts with Clarence Thomas. At, it does, like, October of 1991. Day. And, but it really ramps up when you, I think, I think you, 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 you could say that, that this really ramps up with Roberts under Bush. Yeah. I mean, Roberts kind of, Alito, I mean, certainly you really don't see it becoming as, I mean, it becomes center stage with Merrick Garland, right? This, oh, I would say even before Merrick Garland, you see this with, I mean, you uh, can, there was some interestingness, interestingness with Janice Robert Brown's Janice Roberts Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like modern is where you see it politicized. So actually I mean, it's when, certainly much more televised in the past just yeah. five years than it has ever been. I'll give you that. It's also so much more public, right? So Clarence Thomas was huge. So October 91, um, for those that don't remember, Thomas was nominated or was going through his hearings and um, allegations came out from Anita Hill against Clarence Thomas during his time at the EEOC. And this was the first time. And ironically, uh, are you do you know who was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee during Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearings? The senior senator from Delaware, Joe Biden. Ah, correct. Mr. Joe Biden, <laughs> current president, uh, was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And Clarence Thomas called that process a high-tech lynching. And I mean, appropriately so. I mean, it was very clear that it was an effort to try to stop Clarence Thomas from being onto this, being put onto the Supreme Court. And so you see a big shift there. And then you get the removal of uh, the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees, which was done by the great senator from Nevada, Harry So that doesn't, so... (laughs) So, all right. So, we're, we're gonna take we're gonna take y'all back to your to your American government classes, your civics classes, in the Senate with a hundred senators, two from each state. Uh, they have unlimited debate, which means that they can talk about whatever and whenever they want. They can. They, there's no. There's very few rules when it comes to debate. And that means that 
a senator can talk a bill to death. Literally, they can talk so long and get other people to talk with them that the senator just kind of gives up and say, we're moving on. You, you win. Uh, this is what we call a filibuster. It's possible to kill a filibuster with what's called cloture. Cloture, you find it in Rule 22 of the Senate's archaic uh, rules of the Senate. Um, in 2014, Harry Reid from Nevada, who uh, just recently died, uh, he, he has an airport named after him now. Well, that doesn't surprise me. They he renamed the Karen. Do you also know that Harry Reid was the uh, inspiration for the games commissioner in the uh, movie Casino? No, I did not. That's based wonderful. Off, yeah, there, there are some real life instances that that's based off. It's actually really interesting. Anyway, Harry Reid and the Democrats were in control. They were getting fed up with the Republican minority blocking almost every single one of Obama's appointments, appointments to not just the Supreme Court, but to lower court judges, to uh, any any sort of appointment, right? Um, and the Republicans could do this because you can filibuster a nomination, just like you can a law, a, a bill. Um, well, they changed the rules. And the rules in 2014 said, killing a filibuster is going to be easier uh, for everything except laws and Supreme Court justices. It was still very difficult. And the Republicans were like, whoa, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Well, they went ahead with it, and they were able to approve most of Obama's nominations, except Merrick Garland. Because if you remember, in 2016, uh, Antonin Scalia died suddenly. Obama had an opportunity to appoint Merrick Garland, who is an absolute terrible uh, lawyer. Um I can now say that with facts now that he's the attorney general. Um, <laughs> fast forward, the election happens. Mitch McConnell and his Republicans stop Merrick Garland from ever getting into the court. Trump wins and he appoints Neil Gorsuch, who is a great lawyer from Colorado. Here's what happens, though. Democrats, using Republican tactics, said, we're going to block Neil Gorsuch. We're never going to allow him or any of Trump's people in. So Mitch McConnell and the Republicans said, cool, we're going to take Harry Reid's playbook. And they also changed Rule 22 to make killing a filibuster easier for Supreme Court justices. So now whoever has the majority, no matter what, in the Senate can confirm the president's appointments, period. And so with Garland, you get this like hard, I mean, it was politicized under Obama. Don't, don't get me wrong. It was politicized in the early 90s you get this hardcore shift, right? Cause the Republicans, I mean, they kind of invented this thing where they were like, look, it's not common practice for a majority Senate to confirm a presidential nominee in the second term of a president. Like they made up this fake rule. Oh yeah. I went back and dug back into like every Supreme court nomination ever done. It's not a rule. They should have just admitted, look, this is a political game. You guys lost lose. Like, yep own up to it. If you're going to do it, own up to it. Um, but so you do, you get this like hardcore shift in, in this, in that 2015 space where all of a sudden this is a point where everybody is paying attention. Everybody is tuning in and it is no longer a kind of like nerdy questionnaire about judges positions on X issues. Right. Some of those earlier, some of the other confirmations, even after Thomas, right? Kagan's um, hearings are very interesting and a little nerdy. And 
I mean, she famously said, we're all originalists, originalists now in her hearing, which that wasn't today, totally untrue. Well, kind of. The Supreme Court has definitely shifted where they are all considering the textual text. interpretation and they're all considering historical analysis. Gone are, the, gone are the days of the 1960s and 70s where justice just did whatever they wanted. Now they have to justify it with the text. Thanks exactly. in part to Scalia and Thomas. Exactly. And so they might, some justices and judges might be doing bad originalism, but they have, they have to contend with originalism, which is, which is new, but I don't know that you get, I don't, so whomever uh, President Biden nominates for, to fill Breyer's seat, I don't know that that person is going to walk in and admit to being, or admit to at least tangling with originalism. It's kind of a political hotcake now. Let's talk about that. Give us the brief rundown on who Breyer is. No, because he's been on the court since 94 for you know better part of 30 years. Yeah. Um, and who do we have as a suspected shortlist of replacements from Biden? Yeah, so so Breyer was nominated by President Clinton in 94 to fill uh, Justice Blackman's seat. So a kind of a staunch progressive filling the seat of a staunch progressive. Um, I mean, he's had major, he's had the opinion of the court, major rulings on everything from abortion to death penalty to environmental law to voting. So he, I mean, he's been a stalwart member of the court for ages at 28 years. Um, and so he self-describes as a legal pragmatist and where he specifically differed from Scalia was Breyer looked to not just what the law is, but the effect of the court's decisions And so he would look to the pragmatic effect of what the inevitable opinion would have and allowed that to affect his opinion. Someone like Scalia or Thomas would say that's irrelevant. My, the outcome of my decision should be constitute a constitutional form of government or a statutory form of government, not basing it on the actual effect of the public. If, If there's a bad effect, that's up to Congress and the people to change, not us. Yeah. And so he has these, so Breyer's also probably the most open justice on the Supreme Court about his decision-making process and his judicial philosophy and all of that. I mean, he's written multiple books, all which dissect his philosophy, which he kind of pseudo created on his own. So he has six interpretive tools that he uses. So text, history, and tradition, those will be very familiar to the originalist, right? That's how we originalists base all of their decision. Yep. Precedent, which all judges use to base their decisions. There, I don't, I mean, there are some judges that definitely sway from precedent, but they definitely will contend Every, with precedent. In the common law system, even the bastardized form that the United States has, every judge uses precedent. It's just a matter of degree. Yes. Uh, and then number five is the purpose of a statute. And this is where, yeah. And this is where Breyer starts to depart because the intent of the statute, even if not imbued in the text is still relevant to his decision, um, or the provision of the constitution. And so he would look to things like Senate debate or, um, congressional Exactly. Things that are not necessarily codified, but went into the decision-making process. And then the last is the consequences of competing interpretations. And this is where I talk about kind of, or I was was saying about this effect of his decision. So he looks to 
well, if we decide this purely originalist, how does that come out? If we decide this purely as a legal progressive, how does that come out? And would base his part of his decision-making process on that. Um, and so he, he, he specifically noted that those last two were what differentiated him between somebody like Scalia, like a, more of an original or really Thomas, who's more of a pure originalist. Uh, or a textualist when you're talking about statutory interpretation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he kind of pointed to those those two uh, key factors. So, I mean, you you generally knew where Breyer stood. He's one of those justices where you could probably you could look at almost every case and figure out exactly where Breyer was going to come out on it uh, or will come out on it. He's still a sitting Supreme Court justice. Yeah, that's uh, he, actually you that, that that's not always common. He, this is what we call a conditional retirement. He only retires once he has a replacement. Not only is that not common, I actually wrote an op-ed about this. So Ooh. if you're uh if you're interested, I think it got published. I'll figure out where it got published. And I'll before we uh end, I'll I'll let everybody know. But his conditional retirement is very different. And so uh there are other justices that have had conditional retirement. So for those that don't know, Breyer, when he announced his retirement, said that it was conditional on his replacement being appointed and, or sorry, being confirmed prior to, or prior to his retirement before the next term. And so this has happened before, uh, but it's pretty rare. So Justice O'Connor had a conditional retirement, but her, the, the first female Supreme Court justice, her conditional retirement was because Rehnquist, the chief justice at that time, was very ill and had just got a, I think it was a cancer diagnosis, like right before she announced her retirement. But O'Connor was leaving for very particular reasons. Her husband was ill. So she was leaving to take, to help take care of her husband. Yeah. And so she had a conditional retirement and it turned out to be a great idea because what happened was Roberts died Rehnquist. shortly after, sorry, Rehnquist died. Thank you. Oh, whew. very different justices, mm-hmm. chief justices. Um, Rehnquist died shortly after O'Connor announced her conditional retirement. And so Roberts was actually the chief modern current chief justice was actually initially nominated to fill O'Connor's seat. And then when Rehnquist passed, his nomination was withdrawn and he was re-nominated for the chief justice seat, which is a specific nomination yeah, for to, that seat. Yeah, you have to specify even even a current sitting justice has to be nominated to be the chief justice. Right. Correct. So Roberts was nominated for O'Connor's seat. Rehnquist passes. Roberts is withdrawn for O'Connor's and then is nominated for Rehnquist's seat, is confirmed. And then uh, Bush nominates Myers, who gets forgotten in the history, uh, for O'Connor's seat. So Myers was Bush's White House counsel. Oh, um, that's had right. Had a very kind of very successful practice in Texas, but had no judicial experience, yeah. and just got just railroaded and was withdrawn after weeks. It, it did not take long. And then Alito. Justice Alito is, is finally nominated and confirmed for O'Connor's seat. And as soon as Alito is nominated, or sorry, as soon as Alito is confirmed, O'Connor retires. But this is, O'Connor announced her retirement in, ooh, somebody can correct me here. I think it was like May of that year. And Alito is not finally confirmed and takes the seat until like January 
So wow. it, it's a it's a process. Good half year. Yeah. So the only other justice that I could find in the modern kind of slew of retirements that had a conditional retirement was Justice Blackman. The oh. justice that, yeah, that uh, uh, we eventually are now going to be looking at his second replacement for that seat. And Justice Blackman's retirement was conditional, but he put a drop dead date on it. And basically the drop dead date was before the term started. So he said, you know, I'll retire, assuming that my um, successor is confirmed, but no later than September. And basically what he's saying then is every now and so the Supreme Court sits in a, a term, goes from October to May. And that's where they hear all of the cases that they're going to decide. That's where they do most of their business. But the world doesn't stop. Sometimes it goes through June. The world doesn't stop between June and September. And so people can petition the court for emergency relief. They can ask the court, the Supreme Court to do, you know, emergency injunctions, emergency decisions, which we've seen a lot come up in the COVID context. And so basically what Blackman's doing is saying, look, I'll fill the, the summer boringness if you guys can't confirm anybody, but you better do it by September because I'm out by then no matter what. And so those are the only two real conditionals. That I that I found in the kind of the modern um, modern court, but where Breyer differs is that Breyer's is an open ended condition. Breyer says that he'll retire assuming his successor is confirmed. That's it. And that's it. Huh. There's no that's drop actually, dead. That should be relatively easy then. Well, maybe. So. What's our current makeup of the Senate, Stanton? Very slim. Uh, the Democrats have a very slight majority and primarily because Kamala Harris is the vice president. That's the only, right? I mean, we're a 50-50 split in the Senate mm -hmm. with the vice president taking the tying vote. Now, there's some contention over whether the tying vote also qualifies for consent and not just passing legislation. Now, this is kind of like this interesting, heady debate that's occurred. That but is very heady. Yeah, you're, you're getting pretty deep into, uh, into our form of government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's assume that the Democrats can get Biden's nomination through. Let's assume that. Well, but that's, the, that's what. So that assumption mm -hmm. is why I would say that Breyer's retirement is conditional, because I don't know that you can make that assumption. Okay. Because on a 50-50 split, all you need is a single swing vote. So let's assume That's that the a single dissenting uh, Democrat. Democrat. Well, I mean, you could also get a couple of dissenting Republicans. That's going to be that's probably common with at least three of them. And that's actually more common than the other way. So if you look back at the history of Senate votes, mm -hmm. it is more common for Republicans to vote for Democrat appointees than vice versa. Republicans tend to vote for good candidates, or Democrats tend to vote on party line. And this dates back for 150 years. This is, sorry, I'm counting back to when the Republican Party started. <laughs> you're, you're, getting, you're getting close up. To I was the, pretty close. 180. I mean, yeah, this is, this is a long, consistent point that you can look back in and, and see. For example, Breyer was confirmed by an 87 to 9 vote. Like, there's yeah. there was no split and at that time. So um 
you you could potentially have Republicans vote for a good candidate. Given the politicization of the system right now, that might be tougher for some to split with the party, but who knows? Any but, idea on who they would confirm? Like any idea who, who Biden might appoint that they would like? So here's the problem. Biden decided to firmly place his foot directly into his mouth and uh, fulfilling a campaign promise that was allegedly needed to sway a certain South Carolina politician. Uh uh, Biden has committed to only nominating and considering a black female judge. So he will period. Okay. How no. many how, how many black female judges are there that would qualify for his jurisprudential uh, uh, preference? So there are a few on the short list, but I mean, when you think about, so he he made this promise as like a, you know a DEI diversity equity inclusion kind of point of right. there's never been a black female justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, there haven't been a lot of minorities or other persuasions on the Supreme Court, other races, other minorities, other, uh, I mean, there's never been a non-binary person on the U.S. Supreme Court. There's never been a trans person on the U.S. Supreme Court. So the fact that it's, this is the particular minority he's picking imposes a lot of, you know, questions and problems for, for those that are also concerned about representation. Right. But for those that aren't, I mean, we're deciding U.S. Supreme Court justices based on gender and skin color. So uh, there will be a lot of people that are going to take issue just on the selection criteria, because there are a ton of qualified judges in this country and non-judges in this country that could be sitting Supreme Court justices. Some of them are black and female, and some of them are not. And anybody who is not is not being considered. So (laughs) that's our roundabout way of saying a very pragmatic, somewhat moderate, mostly progressive justice is retiring conditionally until we have what Biden has promised to be a black woman on the court, which probably will be politicized, but might have Republicans voting for her anyway. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, but you all, I mean, it's going to be tough. It'll be interesting to see. So he he's promised. So you're listening to this in early March, February. February 28th, the end of the month. So he's probably by the time that you're listening to this, President Biden has promised that he will announce his nominee by the end of February. And so some of this will sound silly to you if you've already heard that name, but um, he's got some shortlisters and some of the, I mean, who knows if Dems vote along party lines on this issue too. I mean, some of them might take issue. Some of them are very clearly not following party all, lines as it is. All I'm just imagining is a black woman on the court who has a greater textualism than Scalia or Thomas ever did. And that would just make my heart sing like a like a flute. I would love that. Yeah, you're not gonna get that. Sorry, I, bud. I know, but wouldn't that just be <laughs> wouldn't that just be the greatest irony in the world? Well, I mean, one of the Greatest justices of all time, Clarence Thomas, who has been sitting on the court and has made brilliant, consistent rulings throughout his career, has been like people. I mean, I saw an article the other day that accused him of of 
like white nationalist thinking. Oh no, he he he's been accused of Uncle Tomery for a while. He grew up like like English was barely his first language. He grew up in the poor South. Like the man is a a perfect image of, I mean, America of overcoming the worst possible things that could happen to you. Some of the some of the toughest experiences was raised by his grandfather to become a, I mean, was one of the first black men to go to Yale law school to become a sitting Supreme court justice. And he is consistently undermined. So uh, even if that did happen, Stanton, they would, that person would never be embraced, which is so deeply unfortunate. He's not the right kind of minority, but yeah, it's so offensive. It's All right. Bad. So let's move away (laughs) from the offensive towards the disgusting in our uh, (laughs) next category of BS bureaucracy, the stupid and asinine rules from your friendly regulator. This regulator is actually none other than Congress itself. Um, While the rest of us have been overwhelmed with the news regarding Russia, Ukraine, Eastern Ukraine, Europe, and all that, um, Congress uh, missed its deadline to pass a budget you know the one literal job it has to you know make rules and supply the money to keep government operating yeah it it didn't do that and so congress had to pass a continuing resolution we've talked about this before a continuing resolution is an agreement that we're just going to keep doing more of the same for a little bit longer and this was a three-week extension i believe and the most Oh, frustrating thing I think about this, Cody, was that A, I don't think any of us really were paying attention, and they knew that, and B, that so many, so many theoretical mm, financial conservatives voted to approve this extension. Like, I think there are only like 23, 25 dissenting uh, voices in the Senate, which means you have about 25 Republicans saying yes. So I wonder if the House of it's even worse. The fastest way to uh, to skew libertarian is to look at how the parties vote on budget issues, because uh, so many times the Republicans in the House and the Senate, it's not even smaller government anymore. It's my big government. And so instead of the, the house was 272 to 162, so a little bit, a little ooh. bit better, but you still have a lot of Republicans jumping, jumping uh, on to pass the budget. Yeah. I mean, so I actually worked. So, I mean, it's no secret that I was a federal government employee as soon as I left law school. And you were so Canadian. I, Boo. I'm a, I'm a dual citizen. Good, sir. I will, I will, I will <laughs> choose. See, no, this makes me more American. Not only are you a dual citizen, I have a but choice. you speak French. I have a choice. I don't have to be here. You have to. You're a citizen. You have no choice. You're you're here. No, I mean, you could I, leave, but you I don't have leave, citizenship yeah. elsewhere to. Who, say, who says I want to be a citizen? Who says I want to do anything like that? I have a choice. I could I could walk into Canada tomorrow and just decide to live there. Uh, but I embrace this country yeah, as my yeah. own. You are you are you are the Colorado Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh, I don't think I like that. <laughs> are, are you the Zodiac killer? Am I bearded Ted Cruz or am I shaved Ted Cruz? Because they have very different political ideologies, which is shocking for just facial hair. It's weird how it changes depending <laughs> on his facial hair. 
but this is so this is what's crazy, right? Like, I, so I was part of a government shutdown in when I was an employee of the federal government. And it's weird, man. It is a weird. There is a very different view from inside the monolith than there is from outside the monolith. Like, basically, like the offices still run when there's a shutdown, but it's only emergency personnel. That's the most, I mean, we would call those essential today. Uh It is essential personnel. They're not getting paid, but they're still working. And I remember distinctly like walking out of the office being like, oh, there might be a shutdown. I I very remember like career employees looking at me and going, don't worry. They always pay us after anyway. And so what happens after a shutdown is they just, I think we've talked about this before. They just like reauthorize back pay for everybody. So you get like a, however long vacation. The problem is like, I what like that's just shut it down. See what happens. Shut it down. Yeah. Let's let it shut down. Yeah. Why we can't agree to a budget? Shut it down. I'm all about that. When my family doesn't budget, we don't just go like, look, okay, we'll deal with this next month. Like, but, 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 but Cody, 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 can you raise your credit limit on your credit card unilaterally without the bank's authority? But, no, I also don't no. have any loans from China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it, just, it's insane, man. Like we, we've, the how ghost many, of Hamilton returns, the ghost of many, Hamilton returns. How many presidents, how many parties do we have to go through until somebody finally steps up and just goes, we, we have to cut, we have to cut from the budget. We need to make it smaller and I'm not going to go. I'm We as a, party or group of of electors are not going to vote yes on something until there's a cut these continuing resolutions are crazy i mean Mm -hmm. we just like continue to fund the government at an interim level and a funding that we didn't really like before that we agreed to so that we can come to an agreement on a different level of funding that we also don't like there was a what, what was that unique um compromise that that they developed in like 2010 2011 where they couldn't come to an agreement on what the budget should be the republicans controlled one house and the democrats controlled the other house and they said if we can't come to agreement by then they were going to do an automatic cut across every single program of the government do you remember what that was i do not that sounds wonderful there, there there's a specific word for it um I can't remember what it is, but the idea was if we and mutually I, assured destruction, kind of, if we can't agree <laughs> on what, what we're going to do for the budget. We are all agreeing that every single program, military, social security, Medicare, it's all going to get cut by like a certain percentage, man. What was that called? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that you have the budget freezes for it under various presidents where, I mean, Trump had one that was like that too, where they just kind of like, cap ceilings and stuff like that but i don't i've i don't know the the like i I like this mutually you know what i vote that if we don't have a budget by tomorrow at noon we cut all government programs by 80 percent listen i'm I'm all i'm all about that that's my that's my campaign platform uh, please vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> Cody for Senate, uh, 20, 
are we wait is this, is this a senate election year this is a senate this election is the midterm year. yeah cody, cody so for senate 2022 year, three years more of biden three. well 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 don't give me that well not until not until the old man croaks my my prediction remains that biden will gracefully step down from office in february of 2023 so that kamala has like it an extra two years potential on top of her maybe eight there's no way that she's gonna run uh, you know she is gonna run there's no way she's gonna win there's in terms no of way. 10 years so actually that was my prediction before we saw her in the vice president role and now i'm like oh, i don't i don't even know if that's gonna happen anymore she's she's i thought for sure that they were gonna do like a 10-year like the you know give her the last two terms of biden's first Listen, and then last gonna, two years if, of biden's first if you're going to be a weird emotionless or you know if you're going to be a, a, a just a terrible front man which is what the vice president is supposed to be then at least be dick cheney oh no <laughs> hold on <laughs> not on board effect- this is not at least officially- be effective at what you do <laughs> oh no 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 well speaking of cronies there we go <laughs> let's talk about corrupt cronies the worst of both worlds both corporate and government um, for those of you who, uh, weren't paying attention because hell, why would you for this instance, uh, the Beijing winter Olympics, 2022 just wrapped up, um, was, was took over the place of two weeks in February. Um, and it is well known that the Beijing Olympics for the winter 2022 games was the most fair, impartial, well executed and and uh, uh, just example of sportsmanship in the world. That, According that is, a, that is an the, irrefutable fact, <clears throat> Cody. Irrefutable fact. According to state-sponsored Chinese Communist Party <laughs> media, folks, this is the second time in fourteen years, which sounds like a long time, but an Olympic record. This is actually quite short. This is the second time in fourteen years Beijing has gotten the Olympics. Um, at this point, not even sports is safe. Uh, whether you're, whether you're talking about FIFA, the, the international organization for soccer or the Olympic international committee, these organizations are just rife with corruption and with a general just disregard for human dignity. I mean, for Christ's sake, the, sorry. Forgive me, Lord, President. For goodness sake, Russia got the Winter Olympics last time. Russia. Why? Saudi Arabia is getting the World Cup. People. (laughs) If, If the United States is not boycotting every single one of these monstrosities, then there can be no Wilsonian claim to a good and righteous world order led by the United States. That is insane. Deep pull from progressive ideology there. Deep huh? pull. Deep pull. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, a lot of people want America to be this world power that likes to spread the values of a of democracy, of, of a liberal, not, not like progressive, but like of a, a free society. Great. At least be consistent about it. At least the, it costs us nothing to boycott 
sporting events. And at least then we have some symbolic action, some credence in the world that we're doing something right. So that when we decide to go crusade in Ukraine, we at least have some moral background for it. We can't even do that right. So I'm just going to let you keep going. This was the lowest viewership in modern Olympics. China had policies regarding COVID and the free press that was absolutely atrocious. Cheating was rampant, including by the host country where the Chinese you know, speed skating teams were just throwing the ice pucks at players that they trip over themselves. This is, I, guys, I love the Olympics and I particularly love the Winter Olympics. My favorite Olympic event ever is curling. Thank you. Yes. I love curling. My family and I, we went to go watch the qualifiers in Denver at the Coliseum a few years ago. I love it. I used to wake up at like the crack of dawn with my mom and brothers and we'd watch curling. We love the Olympics. I can't stand it anymore. I can't just, I can't stomach just the sheer, not just politicization of sports that that was kind of inevitable i think i'm just tired of the shit show that is international sports i'll stick with football i'll stick with baseball even baseball also i'll stick with just local sports even my my girlfriend is a huge olympics fan to the point where so i learned this during the summer olympics that were delayed the tokyo 2020 asterisk Uh, I had such a beautiful logo and it got ruined because of COVID. That's why they just kept it. They're like, we're just sticking with it. Um, And so I learned this during the games when the Olympics were on in my household nonstop to the point where like we, I mean, we watched them when we were going to bed. We watched them with dinner. We watched them as we were like waking up in the morning. There was always Olympics. Absolutely. Not only are you watching the best athletes in the world, you're also like, you know, yeah, go America. It's it's a it's free patriotism, dude. It's a free opportunity to be a patriot and not hate yourself because you're supporting the government. You're just supporting athletes. It's amazing. Yeah. So we agreed this year. We we did a boycott. We did not watch a single. I mean, we saw Olympic events on when we went out to like eat or went out to the bar. The Olympics never appeared on our house and on our household TV. And that is something that is like a huge thing for us and or for for her. I mean, Mm -hmm. being such a big fan. And for me, it was like, look, man, the United States recognizes that China is currently engaged in genocidal activities. Yep. We recognize it. And we still sent people to compete in an international competition. But we didn't send our diplomats. We didn't send our diplomats and ambassadors. It's so dumb. It is so ridiculous. Like, that's a real boycott. Like, we we don't have, you don't have to send anybody. No. You can just send athletes and training staff, which is what we did. It, it, is is murdering uh, a Muslim minority not a good enough uh, uh, genocide? Is that is it not good enough? I mean, we boycotted the Soviets. Why can't we boycott the Chinese? It's insane. And I mean, so this is the thing I was thinking about. So Xi came out and basically was like, if the Americans boycott it, I think his quote was like, there will be hell to pay. Something like that. Something akin to that. Skirm, what as, is he going to do? Oh, as soon as he, if if I were president, if I were king, <laughs> if, if I were president and he said that, that would be the instant moment that I went, oh, this cool, is. Your country's not safe for, our, for my athletes. We're done. Yeah, this isn't how we play this game. 
you know communist what? genocidal murderer. You like that's what? not, not what we not, do. Not even that. But I'm picking up the phone in Aspen. I'm picking up the phone in Utah, and I'm saying, "Yo, you got room for American athletes for a quasi Olympic uh, competition? I'll, I'll get it organized. You, what, what do you guys need? Right? You get Senator Romney back on the phone, and say, "Hey, can you rope this one up again?" Absolutely, you do that. You send all of your American athletes. You invite to you invite the, the British. You invite every Anglo. Uh, the, what, what's that called? The 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 Anglo, not the Anglosphere. Well, basically the old Commonwealth. You basically just invite the old Commonwealth. Yeah. Like, yeah, Yo, you want to come? Come, come on, come on. We actually, we actually are open. <laughs> Put it on as the at the exact same time, mm-hmm. and every time there's an event where they claim that the world's best best athletes are competing you just publish our, our faster time limit <laughs> yep not even you put that on video and you just mm. you just run that nonstop. oh yeah like i do not it's it is so for for a for a party an ideology that claims to care about minorities that claims to care about the little man who's being trampled by government to send athletes and viewership and money and dollars and support to a government that is literally enslaving a minority in their country in China is so beyond offensive that I can't even contemplate why it was considered. It's, it's, it's bad. I, what, what can I say? This is the definition of corruption and cronyism. This is what this is like. This is, this is the most perfect fit for this category. By far. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is it, right? Because it's not this overt, it's not an act of war, it's not an overt like there's subjugation. Not, there's not any like massive government intervention here. This is just governments colluding with primarily uh, uh a more or less quasi-private organization, the International Olympic Committee, and the media who gets a bunch of ratings out of this, a bunch of viewership and a lot of money. And and there was no moral high ground here, right? Mm. Like I didn't watch it. But from the highlights and what it, there's no moral high ground here, right? There's no pre-World War II Germany, you know, like establishing, like there's nothing here. We're, it's a tired world who wanted sports and it just unfortunately had to happen in a horrible country. Okay. Let's wrap that up there. Um, other things that are in the news for uh, local stuff. The Douglas County School Board fired its superintendent, Corey Weiss, a few weeks ago, uh, and he was just hired back in April. This comes from a very split decision, 4-3 if I remember. Now, this is technically a nonpartisan board, but it's well known that these 4-3s are long conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat lines. Um, We... We're not a news organization. We provide you these new pieces of news that we can talk about them from a principled perspective. Apparently so that we could just rant about China, because I feel like every in the news we end up ranting about China. But yeah, maybe we'll ban China for the next. We are. Oh, oh, you've heard it here first. I literally haven't discussed this with my co-host. So I'm sorry, guys live with it. We are boycotting China in next month in the news. So unless China. Because that way, because we're going to buy Russian news next. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So unless China engages in a hot war between in, in, in the month of March, we boycott China for the, the month of March. This is how we we show our uh, our adamant principle. I, I'm right with you there. Um, yeah. So I, we just want to let you know, uh, uh, 
a very politicized school board um, is acting on politics. And whether or not you liked this decision or not, this just goes to show that this is what happens when you make education and other services a government activity, because at the end of the day, there's going to have to be politics. That's how government works. So we told you so. I mean, again, one of the brilliant, we've talked about this before, one of the brilliant things to come out of this pandemic is people slowly starting to realize that government or quickly starting to realize that government controlled education is not the answer. And, you know, this, this focus now, this kind of rallying cry of fund students, not schools or systems, fund students, not systems is massive. And the more and more people see, the more and more people get plugged into their, their local school boards. I don't care which way it comes out. I don't care if your school board is in your favor against you, but half the time, once you see what they're doing and what they're thinking, people are just waking up to the fact of, you know, what government controlled education. We haven't done a big one on education. Have we? I don't think we have. We might just do a deep dive in education because uh, one argument that I would like to, for us to explore, maybe not now, but definitely later is no for all the amount of money and for all the amount of money that we've poured into education and like, New York has like a $30,000 per pupil revenue uh, funding. What do we just show for it? So, well, I mean, maybe not next month because like, well, I actually just, has entered the chat. Yeah. I just, uh, this is from my AP news app, which, you know, AP, but whatever. Um, reading this. So you're going to, y'all, y'all are going to be hearing this Monday. So a lot of things are going to happen between now when we're recording and Monday, the 28th, but Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, just announced a military operation in Ukraine, um, saying that he wanted to protect civilians. Um, So here's what I've got from my uh, my non-traditional information networks, that there are targeted cities in Ukraine. There are currently explosion as we're recording. So this is literally happening tonight. So you'll know when we record it once you figure this out. Uh, allegedly, there are explosions in Kiev tonight. There are targeted cities of Kar- Kharkiv, K-H-A-R-K-I-V, Kiev, Odessa, Maripol, and Kramatorsk. Mm. Um, so it looks like there's anti-air defense missiles, air missiles. It looks like uh, next month we're going to be talking about Russia. Yeah, we've been trying to avoid it because things just have been evolving so quickly. But if there's actual military activity, then that that kind of puts the, that kind of does it. That kind of tells us the game time. So we'll let you know y'all. Um, okay. Cody, we have to end on a good note. We have to end on something positive and no turnarounds, something good, please. My friend, something good. Anything. If you don't, I might, might have something. Oh, I, I what's a, I mean, a positive from February. I February is the worst month of the year, by the way. It's like a Tuesday of the week, but. This, you yeah, this is probably your my favorite quote of yours. Of- yeah, Tuesday's his worst day of the week. February's worst month of the year. So February's surprise, here we are again. Yeah, I don't know that I have a uh, a highlight for that. I don't know how I, that I have a fancy pretty note to end on. Um. Uh, oh. Oh, the um, the James Webb Space Telescope that was finally able to target its first star in a successful test. And now we're going to be able to start doing some real stuff with that. So I'm excited. What What is that? 
the space web telescope yeah so it is so the space web telescope is a massive 10 billion dollar uh 30 year project as a joint venture between nasa the canadian space agency and european space agency and it is essentially a bigger better hubble space telescope but instead of orbiting earth it is at a very fixed location in the solar system it stays there it, it, it's it's what's called like a lagrange lagrange i think it's lagrange point my brother's gonna hate me for butchering this he's a space force uh, man but it basically doesn't really move and in the way it's positioned it avoids uh light pollution from the sun and it can look farther uh away from us which means because of how the speed of light works it can also look farther into the past which means that we can understand more about the big bang the origin of stars uh we can see the formation of planets and actually look at some planetary surfaces not like in detail but like get some more more understanding of what of how of how worlds are crafted so it was able to lock on to a star is able to successfully complete that test that means it's working everything's operational yay for humanity that sounds awesome i think it does too and i'm gonna stop talking before i get myself in trouble other good news that i thought of okay is Per our deep dive, uh, Trudeau uh, has officially ended the Emergency Act declaration in Canada. Look at that. He actually kept a promise. Surprising. So uh, despite the untoward activities that occurred between the beginning of the declaration and the end, the Emergency Act uh, declaration has officially been rescinded. So at least maybe a modicum of, of a... Uh, semi-accountable government has been returned to our uh our brethren up north maybe he's not castro's son maybe there is some hope for him deb i didn't and ladies and gentlemen that ends our in the news for february um cody any last thoughts any shout outs you have um i uh just a shout out to uh to, to family in general so those that know what's going on are are, are aware but you know Shout out to family. Much appreciation for the uh, the support and the memories uh, and everything that comes along with it. Very good. I'll shout out, give a shout out to my wife, who's been uh, amazing through this really rough month, and she's been a stable rock in my life too. So hats off to family, all. Okay. Cheers to Wednesday. Uh, cheers to Wednesday. <laughs> We're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple. Please do. If you are on Apple, please do leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback and know how we are doing and what you would like to see more of and what you'd like to see uh, less of. So give us a review on Apple. You can listen to us on Spotify and everything else uh, that you might get your podcast from. Find us on social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time.